Dr. Raylan. Hi. Good evening. How are you? Good. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. No, I've been so excited. The moment we got connected, I was like, I have to get Dr. Raylan here and talk to us one night. And that night is tonight. Dr. Raylan, if you could first please introduce yourself to everybody. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. My name is Manisha Raylan and I am a pediatric allergist. I'm actually from Detroit. I was born in India, grew up in Detroit and did my med school there and then mashed into residency in New York. And then I've been in New York, the state of New York ever since. I've just moved around everywhere. I did my residency in Rochester. I did my NICU hospitalist year, which we can talk about in a minute in Queens. And then I went to fellowship in Buffalo and now I live in the capital region. <laughs> wow. Amazing. <laughs> Albany, where are we at? Oh my gosh, you literally went from like New York City and then to yeah. the rest of New York. I mean, right. that's no big deal. It's just the best day or whatever, right? No bias or anything <laughs> like that. Exactly. Well, and you know, my folks are on Long Island, Chris. So like, mm. you literally have the whole state covered. <laughs> wow. You literally did like a widespread from north to south and east to west of New York. That's amazing. Yeah, I grew up here too since I was six years old and we've been in the same house since so basically New York is home sometimes I really do want to get out of it but you just can't get out of New York once you get in there right <laughs> I'm a doctor Raylan wow such an honor for you to be here oh, with us thank tonight you. So um, I'm so excited I can't wait I'm so excited too. before we get started I have to tell you something look at this this is my water bottle and I'm at the feeling awesome mark and I just wanted to tell you that's how I feel Feeling awesome. That's amazing. It's not a coincidence. I just have my tea here. It's actually getting chillier now, even here, like in the city. It was just like a few days ago, it was like hot. It's like burning hot. And then this morning, I had a flu shot program and I just wore my scrubs, like no sweater or anything because I was like, it's going to be hot. And then I was waiting outside the building and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm. I'm going to need a shot. <laughs> I'm the one who needs a shot of heat right now. It was so chilly. <laughs> but anyways, here we have you, Dr. Raylan, an MD doctor of medicine. If not known to many, it's such a long, 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 long road. We're talking about four years of undergrad, four years of medical school, X amount of residency, and then if you choose to do fellowship, right? How did that look like for, well, what you're standing at now is pediatric allergy. How does that training pathway look right after medical? medical school? Yeah, that's a good question. After medical school, you do a residency in either pediatric or internal medicine, and then you do a fellowship. And the fellowship program for allergy and immunology, it's one field, probably the longest mm. fellowship I know of. Um, so we go AI for sure. It's a two or three year program. And so the two or three mm -hmm. year depends on how much research you want to do. So if you want to do more mm -hmm. research, Third year. And then after that, you can even subspecialize further and you can actually go into more immunology. And so you can keep doing research from there, or you can go into academic practice, or you can go into private mm -hmm. practice. So when you train for allergy immunology, you actually cross train. So I actually, even though I'm a mm -hmm. pediatrician, I see all ages. And um, uh, that's okay. really cool. Yeah. So in my mm. fellow your program. I like research, but I knew I didn't want to do research for, and I wasn't in that track. I like seeing patients. Yeah. I love talking mm -hmm. to people. I'm an mm -hmm. outgoing introvert. That's <laughs> what I call myself. Outgoing introvert. I love it. <laughs> I like to keep to myself sometimes. I can but tell. I love to <laughs> 
And I so can tell. I can tell. You can tell. <laughs> so yeah. I told you before, you have like the friendliest smile ever. So. <laughs> I can talk about anything. I I was like, oh my gosh, do you know today's like national coffee? <laughs> so many topics we could go and run with. I know. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I didn't even know there was like different national days and stuff like that. Yeah. I looked it up and I'm like, seriously, there's a penicillin allergy day and then the National Suns Day. It's like amazing. there's nothing. It's amazing. <laughs> Too many. Oh, that's amazing. Also, I didn't know that you could yeah, see so, other patients. Yeah, yeah. That was one that actually drew me to it. So I had medical school deciding what mm-hmm. I wanted to specialize in. Like every mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I came mm-hmm. home and I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to be a neurologist. And then I came home and I was like, just kidding. I'm going to be an OBGYN. And then I'm going to oh, be yeah. a surgeon. And then I was going to be an ER doctor. I like just enjoyed everything. Everything. <laughs> and I had such a hard time deciding. Wow. One of the best pieces yeah. of advice I ever got was that if you walked into an ER and you had like 20 different diagnoses, like sitting in front of you. And if you could imagine an mm-hmm. ER packed with people who did your heart mm. want to go and help first? Was it the mm. pregnant? Was it the kid that was like screaming and ha- was bleeding? Was it the true ER, you know, trauma emergency? Mm-hmm. Was it OR, like, like an appendicitis that you wanted mm-hmm. to rush to the OR? Like who did you mm-hmm. want to go save first? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. And it really gave me pause. And I kind of carried that question with me to every rotation because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed medicine. I mean, I really enjoyed yeah. sound. And yeah. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a librarian. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> I know you're an avid reader, too. So. Yeah, that's why. That's I amazing. Just love, it. I love it. So I was yeah. like, I'm going to be a reader. <laughs> I should show you the amazing. room I'm sitting in. Tons of books everywhere. Like, <laughs> of books. It's amazing. That was me, too, and I was much younger. I mean, even until now, it's great to, like, read new books here and there, right? Or even constantly. That's amazing. But. What got you into, I mean, I know you said you wanted to be a librarian, but what got you into medicine then? Was there someone in the family who's like a physician or a friend or a personal experience? Yeah, nobody in the family. My grandfather, my paternal grandfather was a dentist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. My maternal great-grandfather was actually an eye doctor. Mm-hmm. So that's a cool little thing. But I never yeah. really around either. They were both in India and, you know, my mm-hmm. Grandfather died when I was like, I don't even think I was born, and he was already mm-hmm. out. It was just, it was actually my eleventh grade. Um, like it was a project you had to do to graduate mm-hmm. from high school. We had to do community mm-hmm. service in Michigan, and so I picked the nursing home, and it was like my health and science class and my community service that I was like, this is kind of, this is kind of nice. Like I was helping senior citizens and I was mm-hmm. there to bring them joy. Like I was part of the ice cream social and I was part of like the activities club. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I would come and do stuff and some of the consistent contact that they had. And mm-hmm. I do 10 hours and I did it for the whole year. And I just kept going with it because it was so meaningful and impactful. And mm-hmm. in ways I didn't even realize, like I mm-hmm. still remember those people now, you yeah. know, yeah. and you get to know them so it was more I think experience I kind of decided in my high school that I was going to become a doctor and Mm -hmm. once I made that decision I purposely chose an undergrad that I could stay in state and save tuition Mm -hmm. at school and so like I I tried really hard (laughs) to not care 
much debt with me. Yeah. <laughs> that became sure. like the party. <laughs> um, not everyone is lucky like that. You know, everyone, not medical school is expensive. <laughs> medical is. school is so expensive. Oh my goodness. And there's a question that I've asked all of my guests that thus far who are almost all physicians actually. This path and road to medicine is it's hard not just because of all the studying you have to do and the whole process into getting medical school and the, and the studying and then the residency where it's harsh but there's also the lifestyle right so much money involved so much sacrifices you have to make missing parties missing family events because you have to study or take exams or have to go to residency at the end of it all now that you are practicing for years in your own is there any regret for entering this field of medicine no you know not for my career I, I don't have any regrets. I think my only, I, I'm a mom of two young kids, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. almost 40, you know, and yeah. I think the, I think the only regret, quote unquote regret is like how mm-hmm. I balanced my personal and my professional life better. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard mm-hmm. question. And that's, there's mm-hmm. no good, answer. you know, like I was, I was with my husband already for like six years mm-hmm. before we got married. And so mm-hmm. it was, should I have married him sooner? Like, I don't know. You go yeah. back and those things. You yeah. know, beautiful life. I'm thankful yeah. for every single day that I'm alive. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't regret. I don't want to live a life mm-hmm. of regrets. And so yeah. the decision that was made was made with the knowledge that I had at the time mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I make that decision, you know? Yeah. And you don't know me in real life, but in real life, I'm like one of the most indecisive people. <laughs> <laughs> Except that, like when yeah. it comes to what to do, I'm really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> It comes to like personal life decisions. I'm just yeah. like, why don't what? I? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> Which one? Which one? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's very interesting because every physician I've asked that question so far, they say the same thing. There's no regret, which is very reassuring, right? To hear, especially for people and someone who's entering the medical field. That being said, now you could say it, right? Because you're already at the end of the line. You've been practicing. You've gone through all the process, the MCAT, medical school applications, residency, fellowship. But what would be your advice for a student who's still in that journey where every day feels like it's a thousand years. <laughs> it really is. It really does feel like that. I think the most important thing is make sure you really want to be here. Old, my dad had friends, you know, there were physicians that would like, mm-hmm. once they knew that I wanted to go into med school, they, mm-hmm. they sat there like hard road. It's going to be mm-hmm. a long road. You know, yeah. there's going to be sacrifices. There's going to be a lot of charting. Mm-hmm. You're going to insurance. And he's like, this is stuff that they told me when we were still yeah. people. You know, <laughs> like I'm one of the best generations. It's so. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like telling a baby that, right? <laughs> I like what orders in the paper chart. You had to like physically get out of bed and on call if yeah. you were in your room and somebody needed Tylenol. Yeah. Stupid freaking Tylenol. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can so- imagine that was like. That was like epic or all scripts, right? It's just a click, a click of a button. <laughs> I can't okay. imagine. Yeah. Get off down to the unit. <laughs> and by then, you can't yeah. go back to bed. You're like the bright yeah. light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's been a hard road for sure. But, but yeah. so thank everyone, the heavens for technology, right? Well, thank goodness. 
there's been that came out of technology yeah. but but everyone has always told me like it's a mm-hmm. really road do you really mm-hmm. want to and mm-hmm. you no know, it's a really hard juggling family life and being a physician and mm-hmm. do you really really, really want to do mm-hmm. this it's mm-hmm. hard in your 20s because mm-hmm. friends that got married and already have children that are like at least you know five to ten years older than my own kids yeah <laughs> I know. yeah buy a house until my mid-30s like my first property <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a sacrifice it really is a huge decision like even for myself like I was already uh, practicing RN and then I decided to switch into the field it was it was a decision that I had to make like over a series of months I was like wait I'm giving up everything that I have right now to start all the way from the bottom because you know med students don't have money <laughs> they have negative they have the negative number <laughs> they and their name and then when you come out of school that negative number is probably double because of the interest and then in residency even until now of course you make something in residency but it's not enough to overpower the amount of average debt that's been owed in medical school right so it's such a hard road but it's so reassuring to hear stories like yours dog and encouraging to hear statement like sure that there's no regret and there should be no regret i guess because the amount of work that you do especially in your field with kids i can't deal (laughs) when i had my pediatric rotation for nursing school i was like i'm gonna cross this off my list How now delving into pediatrics? I know you wanted to be a physician and you made a decision in high school, but why Pete? <laughs> what what led you to children? <laughs> I mean, besides the nat- natural gravitation towards yeah, kids, yeah, yeah, me have always just loved children, and so like you know, even like I remember in my temple, like I would volunteer to take care of the kids as well. Mm. It, going upstairs doing whatever prayer services i like babysat 20 kids in a room and i just loved it i just like being around kids you know what it is it's like the innocence and it's also Mm. the simplicity of life yeah that's true their needs are so basic and i feel like as we get Mm. older adults we become so complicated and we stress that's true Kids are resilient and there's just something beautiful about their spirit. Even when they were sick and in the hospital, the ability for them to smile, mm-hmm. all of the adversity that they face and yeah. e- monk patients are coming in my mind and like the bones, you know, that they like some, mm-hmm. I used to have some kids that would get sick from crisis and they were always just so, so amazing. Yeah. And, Parents, you know, that were stressful <laughs> as a as a doctor because your yeah. parents or you're providing bad yeah. news. Kids were just amazing, yeah. and I like I wanted to carry an essence of that because that's yeah. just like overall I see the glass has half full always. Yeah, I'm always thankful. I'm always grateful. I I don't know how I ended up with all I've ended up with, and I I and I carry this, to this day every single child that I see in room i'm just drawn to them you yeah. know and it makes me so happy to take care of them and yeah. intervene as early as i can to prevent a food allergy or prevent mm-hmm. asthma exacerbation like means mm-hmm. much to affect their quality mm-hmm. and that's what really draws me to them yeah that's that's amazing i do like kids it's just a matter of 
Oh my gosh, I think it takes a certain amount of heart to see sick kids. I remember during my peace rotation back in nursing school, this boy had a, had Kawasaki's disease and he was on IVIG, if I remember correctly. And But still, he was like, do you want to play? You want to play Yu-Gi-Oh cards with me? And I was like, wow, I cannot, I can't, I can't deal with this. I cannot do this. So it's great how someone... I think it takes a certain amount of strength to like take care of children, right? Despite how resilient and how simplistic it may be, it becomes complicated, especially because of the parents. I feel like sometimes the parents are the actual patients in pediatrics, right? (laughs) And of course, it's understandable how scary it must be for your kid to be going through these things. But on a normal day, Doc, or quote-unquote normal day, is there a bread and butter that you would consider in pediatric allergy? Like, if you walk into the office, you'll be like, oh, for sure, one, two, three, it's going to be, I'm going to see this today. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what it is. It's probably the top three. It's asthma, it's eczema, and then there's food allergies. It's just going to be a a given diagnosis in my average day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll see uh, hives, you know, like a drug allergy or mm-hmm. environmental allergies come and go. There's mm-hmm. a problem with sniffles and runny nose, especially right mm-hmm. now with the pandemic where yeah. they need that to return to school. I think I've been seeing a lot of that, but those are like, that's our bread and butter right there. So a few people have um, sent in questions regarding pediatric allergy things. And I think one of the most common ones is childhood asthma. Is there a reason why it's called childhood is asthma? Something that you can outgrow that's one of the most common questions is asthma for life is it genetic or is it mostly structural like respiratory wise from the expert herself (laughs) a loaded question right (laughs) there's a lot of factors that go into like the definition of asthma and i like to it's like a phrase in pediatrics that has always stuck with me not everybody that is is asthmatic think of it but not always so there has to be some sort of a genetic of a family there has to be some sort of a classic signs and symptoms of asthma mm-hmm. and then you have to respond appropriately to asthma medications mm-hmm. so it's like you kind of have to put everything together mm-hmm. viruses as we have learned <laughs> we have been talking about viruses like non-stop the last yeah. at this point I know. yeah yeah, and, and you can get virally induced symptoms that sound like asthma, but are mm-hmm. not. And that's mm-hmm. like the, yes, it can increase your likelihood of developing mm-hmm. asthma and so on. But I think mm-hmm. with the anatomy is changing um, so fast. And so we use cutoffs like the ages. Yeah. We use something mm-hmm. called a predictive index. Mm-hmm. And we use the history and we say, all right, is there a nighttime disturbance? Like, does your child wake up coughing, um, mm-hmm. out of bed out of sleep, you know, at one o'clock, yeah. two o'clock? Yeah. Does your child have problems with activities? Like, do they mm-hmm. have exercise induced components or do yeah. they have up playing because they're yeah. starting? So, yeah. a lot of that goes into it. So, the age six sometimes comes up as like a kind of like a rough um, marker to use. Mm-hmm. If your child is still having symptoms after that, then you probably mm-hmm. are dealing with short-term asthma. Like we just mentioned, um, eczema and food allergies. So yeah. if you have all of those things, you're probably more likely to have lifelong um, symptoms. And asthma is not like a steady line. Asthma is yeah. like a wave, you know? Yeah. So some people, it'll just wave and it'll just be gone. And mm-hmm. so I never call it like gone, gone. I call it quiescent. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah. yeah full phase it's yeah. just it's taken a long long nap yeah. and some 
trigger it. You know, it could be just yeah. a certain environment, like an office building. I had a patient last week. Tell me, he walked into an office building and he was supposed to help like pack boxes. Mm-hmm. And so the dust, tons of mold and it triggered symptoms <laughs> that he hadn't had mm-hmm. since he was a kid. And just that one visit, him, but he had another episode since then. So I'm like, it's like the perfect definition. He had asthma as a yeah. kid. It was quiet. Yeah. And then, yeah. So it's like a demarcation line of how debilitating asthma can be, right? I think also there's a big difference between like someone who has controlled asthma and like uncontrolled asthma, right? Are there instances, Doc, where parents like, oh, I don't know if my kid has asthma, but it's already gotten haywire. Is there is there a point where asthma is too grave? Yes, but thankfully in children, I would say most of the time we can get a handle on it. Mm-hmm. I don't see too much sudden cardiac death, you know, or sudden cardiac mm-hmm. arrest. Mm-hmm. I hear about it, I read about it, but I think yeah. most are appropriately concerned when they see their child laboring. Yeah. You know, you think of that yeah. tribal position as yeah. like dream, or you think of the retractions. Yeah. And if they just around the mouth i mean those it's mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. Most they would know right <laughs> yeah, yeah right anyone can recognize that's not normal breathing mm-hmm. and so we have pretty amazing meds you know chris like at this point we have i was just counting with the patient i have a chart with the, all the asthma inhalers on there and just the steroid inhalers alone there's like nine different types right now yeah yeah now and this is coming up yeah. all acting short acting <laughs> Correct, correct. You have mist, you have sprays. Powders, you have, <laughs> yeah. like you have MDIs, everything. <laughs> so there's a lot of, like, the field has really exploded. And yeah. there's logics. You know, we have injectables. Yeah. And yes, mm-hmm. a couple of young, really young patients on injectable therapies because yeah. they necessitated it. And it's been mm-hmm. an amazing um, thing. And I see patients that, were, that had asthma when they were kids and they're now adults. And they remember theophylline. And theophylline mm. is such an older drug. Um, old, yeah. So it's yeah. like really rare to meet someone that remembers something like yeah. that. And Axair and just all these older inhalers. And we have such mm-hmm. a newer. Definitely. Uh, medicine has advanced so much. And just so grateful to science, right? To the amount of modalities that we have now that really is there to prolong life and improve quality of life. I think a big part of it also is within these advancements is the idea of vaccines, right? Which is a very, very hot topic the past year. There's not been a day since the pandemic started and I have not, we have not heard that word, right? But we have series of vaccines since we're like fresh (laughs) out of the room, right? How vital is immunization in your field of pediatric allergy? I know the answer to this one. I, I'll tell you a little story. And this is something I share with my patients. Back when I was a resident in my first year, my intern mm-hmm. year, during orientation at the University of Rochester, they had us meet at the graveyard. The graveyard was across the street from the children's hospital. And we went on a walk in the cemetery. We had a project and we had a look at the tombstones and we had a look at the dates. We looked and we saw how many children died, what the dates, where the turning point was, and mm-hmm. how all of a sudden life expectancy increased. Coincide that directly with when vaccines were introduced. Mm. And obviously, to this day, <laughs> I remember that. And that was well over a decade ago. I ain't yeah. got grace for 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> what a memory. Oh my gosh. The graveyard. I cannot. I'd, I'd probably like buy medicine. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like in my culture, we don't really bury, like we cremate. Yeah. yeah. Pretty EBGB to be kind of like, we're going to meet at the cemetery. Like, we're yeah. going to, what? In the middle yeah. of, this is part of my orientation. Like, yeah. and- oh my God. Intern year, I can't imagine. Oh my gosh. And I feel like intern year is like, Salute, salute to the interns. And I told this to Dr. Parikh as well. And Purvi, shout out to the intern doctors during the rise of COVID nineteen, right? Fresh out of medical school, for a whole minute, like they deserve every like. It's it's already hard. It's yeah. already as it is, right? Is as it yeah. is, and then to add a whole another layer of fear of yeah. your own I know. infectious yeah. that you yeah. know out when it first came out yeah. i mean i delivered in the middle of the pandemic well at the onset of the pandemic I delivered wow. last year and i was this is my second child wow. and so lucky because i knew a little bit of what to expect like i yeah. remember room i remember you know being a doctor i knew a little bit going into yeah. that and i was thinking about all the first-time moms like and yeah. the experiences that this pandemic has not not touched anyone (laughs) it's it's impacted lives i agree i agree and i wanted to know how did that change the atmosphere in your practice how is covid19 because obviously you've been practicing as a pediatric Mm -hmm. allergist prior to the pandemic what do you think has changed the most since the pandemic started is it you is it patients is it the the kids themselves the parents is it your coworkers? yeah probably to some degree for sure mm-hmm. the logistical end of it we we implemented telemedicine we had thought we would do that anyway but we had thought we would have an extra year to get to that we mm-hmm. were planning in 2021 and we were mm-hmm. planning our computer incorporate a, te- a like telemedicine facet to it but mm-hmm. um it expedited telemedicine and then it also you know we had to stop spirometry we had to stop oh, so it kind of really impacted the flow and mm-hmm. you realize what a blessing it was to be able to get PFTs in an office, you know, and yeah. it's yeah. an allergist, yeah. but tons of allergy specialists across the globe mm-hmm. that don't have access to a spirometer, yeah. right? So it made us really realize like, you know, every the devil's in the details. It's always about mm-hmm. the history when it comes to mm-hmm. seeing the that maybe people were being a little bit more hurried. So um, as you can imagine, my visits take forever because I, yeah. I, I love people and I love talking to them. And we're just like business. It was yeah. like, and we got to get out of the room. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> definitely had to balance that. And then it prompted my office. We got air purifiers from the room. Mm-hmm. And I laugh because I'm like, for allergists, we probably should have had this for like years yeah, <laughs> at this yeah. point. <laughs> like, on air yeah, COVID mix. really made everyone realize so many things, right? Especially, I feel like also in the hospitals, but most especially in the outpatient private clinics, right? Wow, the amount of 
why didn't you do this before? Why didn't we do this before? That's amazing. Yeah, you're right, dog. The pandemic has not not touched anybody, which is so true. And I want to link this back to our conversation earlier about the vaccines. Yes, there's the whole series of vaccines, like even prior to COVID-19, right? Especially during the childhood series vaccines. But now the elephant in the room with COVID-19. What is your prognosis of all of this in relation specifically to pediatrics? We hear the news of, oh, COVID-19 vaccination for children in the works. Children also went back to school in person. Mask mandates in most places. We know of states who (laughs) could care less. As a physician who's seen this side of respiratory and allergy side of medicine. What is your prognosis for the children in relation to COVID-19? Most kids do well. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, and what we know about the ACE like receptor mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, I think overall children are going to be amazing and do awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a small percentage that we just mm-hmm. see about, but that's what pediatrics is. Mm-hmm. You know, we, Kids. We don't just look at like numbers like adults. Yeah. It's different as yeah. every child has yeah. this beautiful potential. Yeah. Yeah. We want real life that we can. Yeah. And so I think it's gonna be great overall. My own child is in school and he goes mm-hmm. mass every mm-hmm. day. Uh he is resilient as as resilient as I can imagine to be. And his all his classmates are masked, all his teachers yeah. are so yeah. You know, I I think the vaccines are life-saving. I mean, I have that graveyard visit I just told you about. I've seen children that passed away in my life um, from med school and in residency. I will always think about those people. Like, I Mm -hmm. remember the meningitis that never woke up again. You know, the influenza, Mm -hmm. ECMO. And he, Mm -hmm. I never survived. I took care of him. Mm -hmm. My rotation. And I never saw this boy breathe on his own and mm. i will never take that you know for granted every single day i get to spend with with beautiful children is a beautiful day yeah. gotta do everything we can to protect them yeah i agree yeah i mean looking at it all like from a bird's eye view wow it must be so hard for the children to though right i was at a flu shot event the other week and i was with another nurse and she was telling me don't you think it's so wild that there are children now who were born like through the pandemic and like has not been outside <laughs> their lives have been changed did you think it was time for in-person education to resume? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have both perspectives, right? Like I had a child and I have an old child. Got a lot of like, we're, okay, so full disclosure, we watch a lot of Blippi in my house. And I don't know if you know anything about Blippi, but he's like this really cool kid, right? Yeah. Um, he's this really cool character who does like a lot of indoor playground and mm-hmm. My oldest, we used to take him to indoor playgrounds. We used to mm-hmm. do, used to take him to the grocery store because I wanted to introduce him to fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. I wanted to let him touch things, see things, because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. he's forgotten. Like he watches this Blippy video, and we tell him, we're like, "Oh my god, do you remember the playground we used to take?" And he's just like, "No." no. no. <laughs> and then we look at our our pandemic baby, who's already like sixteen months old, and. Mm-hmm never seen that and he loves watching blippy run around in a playground and go up and down slides and do all this stuff and oh it's like 
it's sad, but we need to resist. The other thing I've noticed with sending my older child to school this year is his love of reading. I Mm. had tried for like years to get my read a book because you know how much I love books. All right. Over here. And and this kid would like open a page of the book and just slam it shut and say the end. (laughs) It's like, it's not the end. We haven't even read the page yet. (laughs) No. I wanted to be a librarian. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Read>. <laughs> yeah. You gotta read. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I agree with you, Doc. Like it was time for kids to go back and, and we have safety measures, right? Like we always say it's all about evidence based, up to date scientific practice and research. And what we see is that with good ventilation, with good social distancing and proper masking, right? Hoping that the staff taking care of the kids are vaccinated and protected. Their risk is quite low and it was time for kids to go to school. It's true. They were, many kids were robbed of their primordial years of yeah, childhood because of the pandemic. Is like keep them home. You know, like just some other measures that we yeah. can all be making. Yeah. Kind of issue um altogether which is sometimes mm-hmm. you can't like you have to go to work as a parent yeah. and and like do you have the sick days to stay home with your child yeah. i mean kind yeah. of leads into like a bigger issue mm-hmm. that this been created which is a lot of job shifts um mm-hmm. and career shifts and a lot of the brunt of that has fallen on male in the family mm-hmm. i feel like it was it's easy on paper and sometimes it's harder to implement yeah. Yeah, and it's so like, get viruses all the time, mm-hmm. tons of pediatric illnesses. Yeah, and it's like, point. What point is a COVID, and what point do we? And then the kind of leads, you know, are our tests reliable? Like, we should okay. we be, should we be distributing rapids at home? Should we mm-hmm. spot check and randomly testing children that are in school, mm-hmm. and you have asymptomatic COVID and you're still coming to school because you didn't even know. Yeah. So. The, of questions that still come up but i think you have to weigh everything with the whole scale and yeah. you have to write for society and for parents and the child development and even with the mask i i have seen my kid grow in like a month yeah. that's that has been and it's been amazing i have no regrets sending him there you know yeah. it sucks. Don't, don't get me wrong yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every day i'm yeah. like where's your mask? yeah mask? got your backpack okay <laughs> Where is it? Yeah, for sure. And how have the parents been like at work in the clinic in relation to their kids? Do you feel like they're more scared now or are they more reassured now? I think I see a, I see, I see the reassured mm. population that chose to vaccinate. Um, mm. I see an indifference in the parents that don't believe in COVID still. Yeah. So, I still, I still meet parents. I feel like we're overblowing this out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely still see the anxiety in the moms and dads that have younger children, um, mm-hmm. babies, and the, their early toddlers. And they, I'm, I'm really empathetic to that because I'm like, we're in the same yeah. boat. Oh, and so, yeah, yeah I, I think I the gamut, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. One of the questions that I've been wanting to ask, specifically being in pediatrics, you know, we hear reports all the time of when certain belief systems, whether religious or not, I guess, I don't know the right word, take over a parent's decision of what medical treatment to implement under 
children. Where do you think we draw the line in that? We, we've, we've heard reports before of, oh, the child or the baby died because the parents did not believe mm-hmm. in medical treatment. Mm-hmm. They were just going to pray for them or herbal medicine or at-home remedies because they don't trust Western medicine treatments or big pharma. How do you tackle that as a set caretaker, medical-wise, of these children? I think um, a couple of different perspectives. One is open mind. Mm-hmm. Start with like kind of trying to see where they're at. Where is a parent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. in the short amount of time that you've gotten to know me, I hope you've realized I'm, I have a crunchy side. And I yeah. told I'm very much an Eastern philosophy Western yeah. girl. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that's been lost to the art of medicine and some of it's time. We yeah. sit down and talk to their patients and mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always running late because I I like I love talking to people. That's where it all yeah. kind of goes. Mm-hmm. I always try to like kind of meet them where they're at. And I start mm-hmm. with that. You know, if it's a religious thing, if it's a cultural thing, is it like an mm-hmm. understanding? Sometimes there's distrust or, Mm -hmm. or like, I mean, like, how do you explain an immune system to someone that even in med school, we talk about it a little, but when I entered allergy immunology fellowship, I read a textbook in the first year and I read a different textbook the second year. And I did journal club every month and I read (sighs) nature every month. I all the receptors of the allergy cell. I memorize the ligands and the pieces of the receptor that come apart when the like the yeah. things like yeah. it's so intimately and to explain it mm-hmm. in two minutes and to gain yeah. the parent. Yeah. Like, you know, it takes like ten months to carry this child yeah. <laughs> to life. Yeah. A female the same again. And then yeah. I'm supposed to try I just yeah. met. Yeah. Like, crazy meds. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like I relate to that. I am yeah. the same. Yeah. But I feel like I have some of the knowledge to know when I can draw the line and where can mm-hmm. I meet them, you know, and yeah. so I work um with families on that and I actually that even happened today. Um this mm-hmm. mom the into herbal stuff and mm-hmm. really like using turmeric and ginger, um and uh hot tea and honey as opposed to albuterol. And mm-hmm. I was like, let's sit down. Let's talk about albuterol. <laughs> like, yeah. let's talk about how um, albuterol is, like, so minuscule. <laughs> yeah. And the amount the child will get is so yeah. big. Yeah. So, and meeting the parents where they're at, I think, is, like, the most important. And in my career as a pediatrician um, in the hospital, we've had to call the medical um, ethical board a couple mm-hmm. of times. I've run mm-hmm. into this, you know, and if you know that a surgery is going to be life-saving, um, we had a patient that was born with a congenital heart defect mm-hmm. and parents didn't want to intervene. And we we're like, no, no, this is like, we can save the life, yeah. like yeah. totally in our control. We can do this yeah. Yeah. and all the board in and it's, um, it's hard, Chris, there are certain situations. It's really hard. Um, one of my patients that died from a vaccine preventable illness her dad was pet and said, I can read medical papers. I don't need your help. He told me that. And I was like, I believe you, but I take care of human mammals, you know, and you take care of all the other animals, species, and we're not the same. Yeah. So there's some things that are different. Yeah. So it kind yeah. of like, meet them where they're at. 
Yeah, I, I think it also a big part of is rooting from empathy, right? And I think that's a big thing too, especially with all of um, the talks about the COVID nineteen vaccines, right? Um, especially, I can't imagine how hard it is for physicians, especially in scientists who continuously try to propagate the safety and the effectivity of the vaccines that we have um, over a big pool of um, either anti-vaxxers or vaccine hesitants, right? And specifically, since we're talking about pediatrics tonight, um, it must be so hard for the kids who are in families where vaccines are a taboo topic or it's something that's not believed in um i think it's it's we're doing well here in new york but there is a demographic outside of the east coast um certain geographical areas where this is more prevalent and more common right um do you think that there is a chance that those people are outreached to and there's a widened reception for vaccines? I hope so. Mm. You're a forever optimist. I feel yeah. like <laughs> out of this pandemic. And I had a I had a, a vaccine hesitant patient a couple of weeks ago who told mm-hmm. me that she loved history, but she understood nothing about medicine. And I said, well, then look at history. Look at mm-hmm. all the other pandemics we've had. How have we left them? You know, how did we get past that as a society? Because we know this is... Mm-hmm. Temporary, like all phases of parenting, <laughs> like all phases of our lives, like like residency. Residency is a time limited entity. You mm-hmm. know, you're through it. It's going to be three years. It's going to be five years. It might even yeah. be seven. But you sign a contract for only the one year. Do you realize? Yeah. Like you can change that. Um, you know, for how long you're in that program. If you if it's not right for you, you can yeah. change. Like, same thing with history. It's like, we know that the only way out of this is to get everybody on board and vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful for, I feel like everyone from the community here on Instagram, right? Whether it's physicians or um, nurses or nurse practitioners, physician assistants, everyone I feel like is teaming hand in hand to propagate all of this accurate COVID-19 vaccination information because yeah. I feel like I feel like also everyone is tired of responding to anti-vaxxers in their comments it's true that we technically don't have to reply to them but other people are reading their comments and their messages right and I feel like we have a job especially providers to tackle these issues right and to actually talk about these because there are i went on a live stream also with dr calvin Sun the other i think a month ago i'm um, an emergency room doctor here in new york city here in manhattan and during our live there was a comment by a mom who stated that oh no vaccines have ever touched my children hmm. um, and it's a very it might not be common but it's an it's a true situation in the United States and even across the world, I guess. And the amount of job that you have, right, as a pediatric doctor to mm-hmm. maneuver your way and facilitate that conversation, right? And because even for the flu vaccines, there's also, you know, those who are vaccine hesitants or anti-vaxxers, and much more now, especially for COVID-19 vaccines. How do you feel, Doc, 
almost two years into this pandemic and all of this misinformation is still flying around. Exhausted. Exhausted. Some day, you know, and, and I still attempt it. I still, yeah. the most, like every single patient visit, I at least ask their vaccination status because mm-hmm. you're a immunologist. If there's ever a time to ask a question, it's when yeah. you invited attention of an immunologist. And yeah. so I'm like, bring it. Let's let's bring yeah. me let's go. Let's fire them yeah. off. Let me yeah. and you know, some people are like, I don't we don't want to talk about it. Like our mind mm-hmm. is you kind of have to like think back to motivational interviewing skills mm-hmm. and recognize like we're human beings. Like mm-hmm. I on this long time and I may be tired. If you're mm-hmm. gonna tell your mind is already shut off to having a discussion. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna breath today. Mm-hmm. Discuss yeah. today is not yeah. the right thing. Yeah. And I think also recognizing the people that are open to talking to you. And I thank them. I'm like, let's have an open discussion. I'm like, mm-hmm. no zone. But what is going on? And I, do you realize that? And I was actually talking to my husband about this earlier, but we're a community. Human mm-hmm. beings are one big massive community. And mm-hmm. like your actions have a ripple effect on yeah. around you. Yeah. And I mean, they've made movies out of this stuff, right? Come on. There's like books about this. Like yeah. there is no elixir, but like what you do um, can spread this virus. Mm-hmm. And what you to mm-hmm. do the biggest, the best, biggest hesitancy is that the shots doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. And I'm like, it's not an armor, you know, yeah. It's just meant to prevent you from getting super duper sick. Yeah. You need to yeah. seek additional yeah. medical attention. And I yeah. think the misinformation, the disinformation, and the hesitancy, while initially, like when the vaccine mm-hmm. out, were totally understandable, at this point is frustrating. Yeah. I'm exhausted. And For sure. And I, I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, one other thing for all the docs that have like signed on to our live and are still here. I just wanted to say hi. And I wanted to say, talk about your experiences with your patients because they, I think parents are shocked when they hear me say that my son's going to be number one. All right. He's going to be number one to get that vaccine. <laughs> he can. And I think it really helps if you care that you're going to, this is what you'd believe in. Um, and mm-hmm. Front of them and you say that i think it takes more um weight and carries more weight yeah mm-hmm. yeah and um when i went on a live stream with like what you were talking about ripple effect and we we're a community i had a live stream with dr pervy perig and dr stacy delin and mm-hmm. we were talking about the idea of herd immunity right it's called herd for a reason right. yes we are vaccinating ourselves right to protect ourselves but it's also the people around us so i have to say it's not always about us right like also the premise of herd immunity is that we also get to protect the people who cannot get the vaccine whether they have allergies or even kids right now who are still not approved to get it yet right the point is to maximize this amount of safety that we have within the community and you're right with all of the misinformation that oh doesn't prevent you from getting COVID-19. Dr. Calvinson always says it's like a seatbelt, right? It doesn't prevent all car accidents, but we still wear it because it gives us the assurance that at least for the most part, it protects us from death 
and severe injuries. And it's the same thing with the vaccine. And I'm just so grateful for doctors like you who continually disseminate sound information about the vaccines that really saves lives, especially in our topic of pediatrics. It's so sad to see children pass away from something that is so preventable. You know, it's heartbreaking. I remember my PICU rotations way back where kids with leukemia, you know, there's certain things that you really cannot predict or expect. But we have this thing that is highly, highly, highly preventable Mm -hmm. by a vaccine. It's so sad that they are taken off that life, right? Because of something so preventable. And it is so exhausting. You're right, dog. And I hope you get you get some time up though out of work, right? To process everything and just chillax. Yeah, definitely. I thank you for that. That's one of the beauties of allergy immunology is that you can structure your day and you can actually yeah. have. Um, so my evening hours are home life, basically. Yeah. Um, or charts at the end or Instagram. <laughs> Never leaves you. <laughs> <laughs> or lives with Chris. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, but honestly, thank you for gracing me with your time, Doc. Um, I do want to talk quickly about um your hobbies, specifically oh, sure. one being baking. Um, <laughs> so I, I um, I remember. Um, I think the day after we got connected with your Instagram, you posted mm-hmm. that carrot cake. Yeah, and I was like, Doctor Raylan. I'm gonna need a recipe. I've never baked in my life, um, but I just need a recipe in the future when I do it, or I'll find someone <laughs> to make the same recipe. Um, and I want to tie it onto to the 101 before one. If you could talk about that too, thank you so yeah. much. Okay, so it all kind of ties back into uh, allergy, actually, believe mm-hmm. it or not. So. Yeah. Um, Long, long story short, I once I decided I wanted to be a doctor and I was about to start undergrad, I had to pick a major, right? You have to pick mm-hmm. kind of like what interested in. And uh, my dad's like, you should pick something that you can fall back on in case the whole med school thing doesn't work out. You should always have a plan B. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to med school. <laughs> Dad's like, just have a backup, just in case. <laughs> my mom actually didn't want me to be a doctor. And to this day, she's just like, why did you become a doctor? It's so much work. <laughs> She's a realist. Yeah. <laughs> I picked computer science and I hated yeah. it. And I lasted one semester. And um, and then I didn't know what to do with some of these like biology credits I was accruing. And yeah. I fell. So I sat down and, and this is back in the paper charts. Okay. So I yeah. had a book with the list of all the majors available in the college. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to sit at the counselor's office. <laughs> Plan your life out. <laughs> and I sat there looking at every single major and I came across nutrition and food sciences. Mm. And I decided like the second I saw it, I was like, I love food. And food has always been an interesting thing in my life because mm-hmm. ethnic, you know, we cook Indian mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's times in your life where you hate who you are. You hate your name, mm-hmm. eat the spices, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. hate like hurry all the time yeah. like so you go through that rebellious phase and then you come through this phase where you're like oh my god my culture is really cool <laughs> and i should probably embrace it a little 
<laughs> and so I actually have always loved food sciences uh, since mm-hmm. under- when I went to med school and nutrition was a full month long, it was like the easiest rotation. And mm-hmm. so I'm doctors that probably has like a deeper appreciation of food mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and longer story short, I kind of uh, had my own personal kind of journey with food and I'm at mm-hmm. a stage right now, plant-based. Uh, I've always been a vegetarian, but I really mm-hmm. kind of gave and eggs and I'm really happy mm-hmm. about it and we could talk about the science of that later but yeah <laughs> go plants go fiber and so anyway here I am on social media and um Julie the founder of 101 before one mm-hmm. DM and said I need a mm-hmm. pediatric that likes food <laughs> yeah I'm your girl and Sounds like me. <laughs> might have experience with baby led weaning and might be able to talk about allergies to foods and so um, I joined the team. It was like, uh, you know, as you know, my love of books, again, coming full circle one more time. Um, I've always loved reading books and I've always mm-hmm. loved books. And uh, I was like, wow, I'm going to get my name on here and I'm going to contribute to this amazing concept, which is mm-hmm. like family based. You know, this is what human life is about. It's about mm-hmm. our about being for the human race and bringing kids into the world that are healthy mm-hmm. that can like propagate our race and continue us on you know it's this world is more than just you or me or my kid it's about teaching mm-hmm. children in general what humanity mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Care of her. um and so yeah it's like a passion project it's a lot of fun and i encourage anyone that's listening that is like interested it out so we talk about kind of like just how to introduce foods to your kid um mm-hmm. to your and to do it early to prevent allergy and um, that's the yeah. newest research from 2006 mm-hmm. it's not even that new anymore it's like five years old yeah. <laughs> like, i keep saying it's new it's not <laughs> i'm just passing us by <laughs> it's passing us by this pandemic man <laughs> pandemic i always say um there's parts of the year and even last year that I have no recollection of what happened. Yeah. I was like, what happened September, la- August of last year? Like, I really cannot <laughs> remember anything. Um, I think it was just everyone's just repressing everything bad that's going on. But one of the beautiful things that came out of it is that, right? Um, I saw it and I was like, wow, this is so interesting. This is so amazing. Um, and it's all rooted with that carrot cake, um, which I took a screenshot of when, <laughs> when you posted the recipe in your story. Oh, Oh, what's so cool about that carrot cake? There's no refined sugar, right? There is no oil. And oil, there's like a lot of research going on about oils in our gut health. And mm-hmm. so take pride. I'm also a normal mom. I mean, my kids totally get boxed cake here and there. And like, what? but I, I also strive as much as I can to be like, let's add some flaxseed, you know, let's sprinkle yeah. some seeds in your oatmeal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Let's just like add things where we can to make yeah. any. Yeah, not to I take agree. a. That's amazing. Yeah, no. Now I'm just all I'm thinking about is the carrot cake. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I, it it looked so good, and I was like, "Wow, it, this is plant based carrot cake." 
Are you kidding me? But it's great to hear that you do have, you're able to decompress outside of work through baking, spending time with your kids, and going on live streams with me. <laughs> uh, I have learned so much, Doc. We talk so much about allergy, about asthma, about food allergies, immunology, kids and their parents. I've learned so much tonight. And um, honestly, just thank you so much, Doc, for giving me your time tonight. I know. I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder if the kids will wake up. Oh my goodness. Well, we'll say hi to them online. But thank you for giving me your time tonight. (laughs) I was like, yeah, they're behaving. Don't, don't, don't say that. (laughs) Don't say their names. You know, but it was such an honor, Doc. I know it's a 9 p.m. too. At first, I was like, oh my goodness, is that too late for Dr. Raylan? But then I see you awake at like 2 a.m. I was like, no, this is the perfect time. This is, this is, this is the time to, um, it's the time to catch her, um, Dr. Raylan. I know. Wow. Like person. <laughs> your, yeah. your smiling face always gives me reassurance that, okay, there's, there's a, brighter future at the end of the road with home medicine aspects it is such a long road but to hear it from those who are there now right that it's all worth it and there's no regrets it's very assuring so thank you so much dr raylan for tonight anything else you'd like to say to us thank you so much thank you for having me for like discussing my journey i think the field of allergy immunology is amazing and um, the immune pathway, you know, and like our bodies and what we learned, we're constantly learning and evolving. And this pandemic made it even more so um, realistic about your immune system and how powerful. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's so much fun being in medicine. It's so cool. Our human bodies are so, so cool. And uh, everyone, you know, I hope that um, whatever field of life you choose to be in, like, let it bring you joy. Like, you know, this year has not taught us anything, this year being all of 21 and 22 and 20. But, uh, you know, life, let's not take it for granted. We're so lucky yeah. that we can wake up and breathe and have full, you know, flexibility of our muscles and and uh, the small things. It's amazing. So, yeah, I yeah. agree. And when you explain allergy and immunology to me, it just reminds me of how Dr. Purvi talks about allergy and immunology. I'm like... They're trying to reel me in. They're trying to, they're trying to reel me into this field. And it is such a great field. Um, it's so flexible. <laughs> it's a lot of learning, for sure. I can only imagine. Um, but Dr. Raylan, thank you so much. Um, it is such an honor. Such an honor to have your time and your wisdom and your knowledge tonight. And your smile, of course. Dr. Raylan, please get some rest, even though I know you're going to be awake until whatever time it will be (laughs) have a good night thank you so much again for being with me thank you bye everyone Bye. Bye. bye